Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Very strong uh, expectations about the number of From hours. big firms and looking to go to smaller firms. September, then by March, you should be going a little higher outside of the experience level. And then just, let me just fix this here, the share. One of the things that I'm excited about is next week I'm doing, I was hoping to do it today, but there was a little bit misunderstanding of what webinar to do. And so we didn't actually, weren't able to do it today, but next week I'm doing what I'm, I consider a pretty important webinar. It's about practice settings, meaning the type of practice where you can work with large firms, small firm, but also what type of law you go into. Because I've been very surprised at the success that people have had in practice areas where you normally wouldn't consider people to be very successful, personal injury and just other things. I've just, I've been just amazed at when I've talked to some people about what practice areas they're in and how successful they become. I'm excited about doing that. I was hoping to do it today, but this one I got scheduled about last year's. And we, one of the reasons we did the one about the class years was selfish because our own candidates keep having questions about that. And so this is something we're going to put into our candidate accounts. Okay, so let me see here. Um, and then on our site where people search for jobs. I did not think this was the, the most exciting topic to do a webinar on, but uh, I'm glad everyone stuck around for it. Okay, so I'll start at some of the older, the new questions. Give me one second. Job postings often include language about the expected number of bill hours. How does that factor into the level um, that the law firm seek? Yeah, so with the seek and how can attorneys of various uh, experience levels negotiate these expectations? So most of the time when a law firm says they want someone to bill a certain number of hours, they're, they're pretty firm on it. They they expect that because they are factoring in the profit they want to make and, and other factors that, that go along with it and then taking work off of existing associates. But you can negotiate that. So people come in all the time and negotiate hours based on things like how many how many hours that people could be sometimes part-time and agree to a certain number of hours. But in most cases, law firms are pretty firm about the number of billable hours and, and negotiating those expectations is definitely possible. I don't really understand how that relates or I'm not necessarily relates to how a law firm, how you can negotiate these experience levels. But typically well, when they talk about the number of hours, they're pretty serious about it. And you certainly can deviate from it and they will deviate if you're more qualified than other people. But it's something that you have to be pretty much aware of that when a law firm talks about their expectations, that's what they mean. And and I was it was funny, I was talking to a, a partner at a big firm the other day, and he had he has a huge book of business, like it's immense. It's forty million dollars and his guaranteed his guarantee is seven million dollars this is the kind of money you can make in a law firm uh, if you're very good at bringing in business and and but he was at a big new york firm and he was representing these kind of mid mid-sized company clients and he said that because the associates were, were so motivated uh, to bill a lot of hours at the big firm that his he moved and then he moved after that to a a, a big mid midwestern <coughs> Based firm, but he said that because the the firm, the people work so hard on trying to get their hours up, it cost him to do the type of deals he does for his clients. 
about three times as much at the New York firm as it cost him at the firm he went to or moved to. And he did that because he was losing clients, charging them so much more. The big firms will often have um, very strong uh, expectations about the number of hours you bill. And, uh, and then if you're in an environment where everyone's doing that, you'll have to do that. It's very difficult to negotiate the, the amount of hours you're going to work. And if you start doing that, then law firms will have uh, less interest in you. Now, you can do that many. I've seen women uh, do that quite well uh, when they're raising families. And law firms are definitely don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, many times you, you have to be the law firms are pretty firm about their billable hours. Okay, you mentioned that law firms hire recent graduates. When does this occur as a recent graduate, May 23? I'm having a hard time finding positions, especially in New York City. Yes, that, that's the thing I'm trying to tell everyone. And I hope this makes sense. If you are having a hard time finding a position, then you're probably, in most cases, trying to work in the largest market possible because the largest markets will be difficult places to get positions because there's so many people trying to work in those firms. Because there's so many people trying to work in those firms, it's very easy for law firms to hire people with experience. So if you're a small if you're a small law firm in New York, rather than hiring someone that's new that doesn't have a lot of experience, you're much more likely to hire someone with one or two years of experience because you can just plug them in right away and they know what they're doing. So my advice to everyone that's trying to go into large markets, I have a lot of pieces of advice, but if you didn't go to a top law school and didn't do well there or did okay, you can certainly work in a in a large market and get a job as a as a junior attorney, but you're going to need hope you're going to have a very hard time getting anywhere near the large law firms because they have plenty of people to choose from. And also, you're going to have a harder time getting a position as a recent graduate because law firms will um, prefer to hire people with experience rather than train them. And what would you do if you were a firm? You would want someone that already had training. So your objective is to get training. Now, if you are really trying to get a position, there's a couple of different ways to do it. You can go into what are called consumer-facing practice areas, where meaning you're working for consumers. And some of your practice here. So what does that mean? You're working for individuals as opposed to companies, opposed to companies. And what are, I meaning companies are just harder to get jobs with, but that means things like consumer bankruptcy. It means insurance defense, which insurance defense, something fall people and stuff. So insurance defense it means immigration. It means trust in the states. There's, I could name the, give you tons of these, but anything where you're working for individuals. So many times you will be able to get jobs without any experience in large cities doing this type of work because this time you will get paid uh, a lot less than you would in a, in a firm doing non-consumer. And this is basically if you want to work in a firm. The other thing you can do that's very smart in large cities uh, that I highly recommend is you can work for solo practitioners or solos or very small firms, and often uh, they will be uh, happy to have somebody help them. And this is just a really good strategy uh, that I recommend uh, that anybody try to follow in, in a large city. And if you're having a difficult time getting a job, you need to start, seek out solos. You can sometimes you can you know, send them in a letter, uh, or you can, which would be a, a email telling them you want to work for them, I guarantee you that they never receive expressions of interest. So if you do that, 
they will be much more receptive to bringing you in than they they would and that it's just much easier this is a very good way to get a job you can also get experience in all sorts of practice areas because some of them will do corporate work some of them will do other things but this is a, a very good way to get a position but any firm out there that uh, is looking for people that's a larger firm will have their choice of people so you better be pretty good if you want to get a position with them do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not gonna find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. I told the story earlier in this webinar about someone, people that I've seen from Harvard Law School, they can't get jobs in New York uh, trying to work with larger firms and are working as contractors and things. Now, that's ridiculous. If they were in anywhere in the Midwest, except on one of the coasts, they would get plenty of jobs. If they were in Las Vegas, they would get plenty of jobs. If they were you know, anywhere that there's not a lot of people like them. But if you go to a big city, there's tons of people that went to top law schools and there's tons of people that from big firms and looking to go to smaller firms and it's just very difficult so you're going to have a very hard time especially in a large city now the other thing i just and so your options are many times to do uh consumer facing work or to work for small solos or very small firms uh, that could use the help and don't necessarily attract a lot of applications because all these super highly qualified people in new york city are going to be looking for them uh, the other option that i would suggest i'll just throw it out there would be to work in a smaller market. The, the problem with trying to succeed in a large city, uh, whether it's like New York or whatever, uh, but you have to work in a smaller market if you want to work for companies. Uh, so I, I want to uh, just give you sorry, for companies. So I want to just give you a little bit of an example of what I'm talking about. If you work for a company, I forgot personal injury up here. Uh, if you work for a company, uh, the company has uh, a lot of money to throw uh, at different issues. So meaning if they hire an attorney and they need help with whatever, litigation because they're sued, they have a lot, they can write checks and spend a lot of money on legal fees, whereas any of these consumer facing people can't. If you want to work with companies, meaning there, there can be more money involved and money involved and you can potentially make more money. If you want to do that, then you're better off looking at smaller markets. At smaller markets, they're not going to care so much about your law school, your all this stuff, but they're going to just be more interested in, in you because they don't have a lot of applications. But I think for to get hired in a large market, unless you have very good experience, it's just very difficult. It's even difficult, by the way, if you... Uh, sometimes What happens a lot is... Uh, most big law firms will hire, uh, well, um, all, almost all big firms in big cities hire summer associates. And those summer associates, there's always some 
in each class that don't get offers because they get drunk at an office party or they don't do good work or who knows, but they don't get they don't get jobs. So when that happens, it's very difficult for them to find positions. So imagine how difficult it would be for you to find a position if you if you don't if you weren't a summer associate at a firm or or if you don't have a position lined up. It's also very difficult. This is just for, for law students that may be on this call. I wanted to bring up up a couple of things. If you want to work in a law firm and you don't have and you don't have a law firm on your summer experience, that makes it even more difficult. So if you want to work in a law firm for a law firm, you need to have a law firm want to work for a law firm. You need to have a law firm on your summer experience. Otherwise, you look like you don't want to work in a law firm. So it's just if you're again, if you're a law student, you need to work in a law firm in the summer if you want to work in a law firm because it becomes uh, much, much more uh, difficult uh, to get a position uh, if you uh, haven't done that. Okay, I hope that answers your question because this is something I see all the time. I see tons of law students that come out of school that have graduated that are unable to get positions. Now, sometimes uh, passing the bar uh, will, once you've done that in whatever city you're in, New York, or, or you know, will, will make you much more marketable and law firms will start hiring you. But like anything, you need to start at the bottom. And, and that's my advice about how to do that. I realize it's a lot I've said, but in most cases, these are your options. And if you want to work for, say you want to do like this, I'm just going to start to keep going on this, but say you want to do corporate law and you really want to do corporate law, instead of looking at New York, maybe you could look at New Jersey and you could look at other, take the bar at the same time after you take, anyway, the or, or you could work in some other smaller East Coast city. And then when you get experience, you might even be able to move into a mid-sized firm in New York or even a large firm if there's a boom. So all this stuff can help you uh, quite a bit uh, if, if you follow that advice. But I would recommend if you want to do work that involves doing work for companies, try to possibly work in a smaller firm, a very smaller firm, a much smaller firm, or for a solo or something like that, or work in a smaller market. And I see people, I don't understand it, like, but I see people moving to these large markets all the time that are setting themselves up by not applying to the right places, or also are just thinking that they're going to get a job doing something that they're not that they are qualified for and then ending up very um, upset that they're not getting jobs and then taking temporary jobs as contract attorneys and so forth and then never breaking out of that. Uh, right now, if you sometimes people will look, decide they really want to do something. They'll say, I really want to do data privacy or, and I'm not going to take anything except the data privacy job and they're, they're trying to do it in New York City or I really want to work as a trademark attorney. And they're trying that in New York City where there might only be a few openings coming along. I mean, these are huge career mistakes. You have to get in. If you want to do a practice area, you have to be very careful about the practice area you choose. And you also need to get employed as soon as possible because once uh, six months goes by, you said you graduate in May, uh, it becomes, you can say I'm applying for jobs now that I pass the bar, but you start looking like somebody that no one is interested in, and that's just not selling yourself very well. So you need someone to take a chance on you and hire you. You need to make it an obsession and something that you're trying to really get out there and make sure that you're all at all and that people are 
that you're getting a job regardless if it's the solo or a small firm or a firm in a smaller market. So you need to follow my advice because you don't want to. The reason I'm so firm about all this is I see so many careers never get started or or have all sorts of problems because they don't do it. You just need to do something. If you do something, if you don't, if you don't do something, you'll be nowhere. And so you have to do something. And you go into one of these things. You go into one of these. If you want to be in a big city, you go into a consumer facing personal injury. Uh, you go into a consumer facing job if you really want to do that. Or if you want to go into a company facing work, you find a solo practitioner, apply to a bunch of them. It's not that hard. You can do a search for people that do your practice area on Google. And once you do that practice area, like you you could do, and I'll just show you how this works. It's uh, really pretty easy. If you want to do, say you're in Memphis, Tennessee, you could, and you want to do trust in the States, you would just do a search for trusts in the states, just states attorneys in Nashville, Nashville, right? So Nashville. And then what's interesting is that you start getting all this. Now, look, you have all these people, Music City Estate Law, the law office of these people, you, all these firms, if you want to do trust in the states, you can apply to. And there's just tons of them. There's going to be more, more than this. There's more than these people. Or you could go back to is doing searches like this, you just all these different places, and it just keeps going. I mean, look how many of them there are next. And so this is what smart people do. If you really want a job, all you need to do is, is just find all the places to apply to. You don't need to worry about seeing the job opening, cast your lot, applying to the same job openings and more qualified people than you are. All of these law firms are probably not getting applications from people that want to work there. What about Joe Hyatt? This poor guy, let's see here, probably doesn't have, like about Joe, it doesn't have a lot of people that are applying to work with him. So you have to be smart. Like you have to just, this is one of the easiest things you can do. This alone, this piece of advice hopefully can save your career. You can do it for any practice area. You can apply to small places and these people will hire you because no one's applying to them. It's insane. So if you say, I really want to learn trust in the state's law, I'm enthusiastic about trust in the state's law. I love your background in trust in the states. Can I come in for an informational interview or something where you talk to them? People will people will do it and you'll get jobs. But if you sit around waiting for uh, job openings to appear, then you're just, you're just screwing yourself over. So don't do it. Sorry to be firm about this, but this is crazy. Like people do this all the time and end up not getting jobs. They just sit around waiting for things. And you can do it for any practice area. You can do, you could do, let's say, small business, small business attorneys in Quincy, Illinois. I don't even know if there's, I just heard the name of the small business attorneys, sorry, attorneys in Quincy, Illinois, regardless of the area of the country. Look at this. Just, here's, I can't believe there's law firms in Quincy, Illinois. I've been there. It's, there's nothing there. Look at all these people. You can go to Rover Law. What, what the heck's that? Uh, the point is that wherever you, do you think people are applying to this to, to work with Mr. Rover? Rover Law. Attorneys. Oh, we got Rover and we got Tyler Phillips. It's Tyler Phillips looks like he's the guy that's helping him. So I, this is how it works. So if you, if you apply to these small and they're doing business law. So the point is that uh, you need to figure out, you need you can't just sit around and wait to be slaughtered by the market by not applying places. You need to find solos to work for. You need to uh, go into consumer-facing practice areas. You cannot base your career on working for 
waiting for job openings to appear, especially in a large city. Like if you're not really highly qualified in a large city, it's very difficult to get a job. So you need to find jobs that other people aren't doing. Again, sorry to go into so much detail about that question, but it's a very good question. And unfortunately, because people don't take action and understand this, they so many people destroy their careers or never get off the ground when it's very easy. You just need to apply to the right places and apply to help people that need help. Small, hey, how does the selection process differ for attorneys who have completed a judicial clerkship versus those who have not? Are law firms inclined to hire attorneys with clerkship experience? And how does that impact the job search for recent law school graduates? So yeah, so clerkships. So you have different types of clerkships. So you have state court, then you have state court, and then you have trial, appellate, Supreme Court. And then you have the same thing with same thing with federal, federal clerkships, federal, and then you have a bunch of specialized clerkships. Acts, just different types of ones. Okay, so once you have your questions about a clerkship and how does that impact uh, the job search for recent law school graduates? So I, I've had a couple of interesting experiences. I don't know why I keep coming back to Harvard Law School today, uh, but um, I was working with a guy recently that hadn't gotten a position after a summer associate job. And then and then not only did he not get a position, but he didn't get a position when he was trying to interview his third year because people come to top law schools your third year. And so the law school was like, you know what, go rush out and get a clerkship. And so he was working as a state court clerk in Delaware or something and then looking for a job after that. So clerkships are very smart. If you can get a clerkship, if you're not getting a position in a law firm by your by your I don't know by the, the your second semester of your of your third year, regardless of where you went to law school, you can definitely start applying for clerkships, and and it's very smart. So there's different types of clerkships. Obviously, it will actually have magistrates at the federal level. So the federal clerkships are uh, the best because typically you're. I don't know. They're just, they're a little bit more competitive. Magistrate clerkships aren't as competitive, but the trial are, are competitive. And then the appellate are more competitive in the Supreme Court. It's just the reason there's different levels of competition is because each there there's more trial judges and there are appellate judges and there's more appellate judges and there are Supreme Court judges. So federal clerkships are a good thing. State court clerkships are a good thing. A federal tend to give, you know, more ability to work nationally. Uh, to, to work nationally, meaning nationwide, and then state court gives you more ability to work locally. So it's especially at the trial court, attorneys that do trial court, state court uh, clerkships often get a lot of jobs and interviews around the location where they clerked, whereas federal clerkships often, firm in New York doesn't necessarily care if you clerk for a, in the Eastern District of New York for, a, they may, but not as much. Clerkships for recent law school graduates are a very smart thing. What it does when you come out of a clerkship though, and this is very important for everyone to understand, if you have a clerkship, uh, I just want to be very clear uh, because I see uh, attorneys making this mistake every day. So what happens when you have a clerkship is the only practice area that anybody's going to be interested in you for. So people will say, oh, I'm coming out of my clerkship. I want to do environmental law or, oh, I'm coming out of my clerkship. I want to do, I don't know, whatever. Really, the only practice area that you should be trying to get a job in is commercial litigation. That's pretty much it. Commercial litigation, 
it is really what all clerkships are setting you up to do. And if you're doing appellate work, no, it's there's not a lot of appellate jobs. So you want to try to do your ha- most clerkships, you have to do commercial litigation. So it's very smart to do a clerkship many times if you don't have a job when you're entering your the the mid to your entering your third year because a clerkship just makes look it gives you an extra year to get experience the nice thing about a clerkship is that uh, judges will train you you'll learn not to have someone just watching over you like a it's like a, it's awesome because you're basically getting trained uh, by one person, I mean, the whole year you're there. It's a very smart thing to do. I think if you've completed a clerkship and you're coming uh, out of a clerkship, you need to do the same thing as you would as a uh, as a law school graduate. Uh, you, you, you need to buy the second half of your clerkship, meaning if your clerkship starts in September, then by March, you should be going all out and trying to get positions. So you should be applying to openings, you should be applying to firms that don't have openings. You should try to decide what you want to do. In almost all cases, though, you're going to the experience you're getting as a clerk is going to prepare you to do commercial litigation. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. If you work in the appellate, it's not going to teach you to do appellate. If you work in the Supreme Court, the only firm people that can apply consistently to appellate jobs and get them are people that clerked on the Supreme Court. Even an appellate, like a circuit court clerkship at a federal level, there's not enough jobs for that. So that's my recommendation about all that. But yeah, clerkships do help you. And it's also a very smart thing to do if you don't have a position. Like at this time of year, within a few months or three or four months, if you're a law student, you don't have a position then a clerkship as a backup is very smart, something uh, that I recommend. You are more employable out of a clerkship many times if you're than someone that just passed the bar. That's a very smart thing to do for a lot of people. These are great questions. I'm very impressed by these questions today, especially since so many people, I think there were a lot of questions, then everyone got knocked off the call. See here. Situations where law firms prioritize other qualities or skills over specific years of experience, such as cultural fit or expertise, niche expertise. How can attorneys effectively convey these attitudes in their applications and interviews to increase their chances of success? Okay, so your resume, so resume, I just want to make sure everyone understands. A resume needs to be focused, hopefully, on one practice area. That's it. You don't say corporate and key. You don't, no one thinks this is a good thing, by the way. A small firm may that has generalists and things, but most law firms don't like you to be focused on multiple practice areas. If you focus on one, that's going to increase your expertise. If you niche in corporate and IP, other things like how do you convey attributes of years of experience and cultural fit and cultural fit can be done um, in a lot of different ways. Uh, sometimes you there are firms that are composed primarily of 
Republicans, for example, the, all the partners will say they're members of the Federal Society or I don't know, but things like that. I had an instance once years ago where I was representing someone that was like a diehard Republican and there was only one firm in all of San Francisco that a couple or a couple that had a bunch of Republicans in it and they loved him. And even though they never had hardly ever hired, they were very quick to make him an offer. So that's sometimes if a law firm is composed of people like that, they may like you. Sometimes when you talk about cultural fit, that's one way to that things work that way, but also that the niche expertise. But if you're able to increase that and show that stuff in your application, um, that can be very helpful. So law firms that uh, are seeking someone in one specific type of practice area often will be interested in certain types of people like that. So that can be um, very helpful. But cultural fit is a very difficult thing to 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 convey. Some types of ways to do cultural fit. There are some law firms that I've run across that are all composed of women or all composed of people of a certain religion or race or what. And uh, so sometimes that can be a help. They're very proud to be all women firms and things. So there's just different ways to convey that stuff. But you definitely need to be very careful to for the cultural fit. And, but the niche expertise is uh, really the most important. It is a good question. Okay, so in your view, how does the trend of law firms hiring outside their supposed years of experience requirements vary across different practice areas? Are there specific areas of law when this is more prevalent? Yes. So there are specific areas of law. So let me just give me one second here, and I will show you some of those areas of law. I have to go into the BCG database to do this. That's part of the problem. Actually, I can do it in a different place. Okay, let me just give me one second. I'm pulling this up. It's interesting. So these are some practice areas like on BCG, and you're talking about different practice areas where firms are likely to hire people outside of their years of experience. Anything that's very niche, so like alcohol and beverage law would be one. Antitrust is actually, there's not a lot of those positions, but that, that would be one. Art law would be one. Different types of bankruptcy could be one, but not as often. Cannabis law would be one. There's not obviously a lot of people doing that. Construction law is often one because there's actually dearth in many cases of people doing uh, construction litigation. So that would be one. Data privacy, no, there's a lot of people trying to do that. Education's one. There's not a lot of people doing that. So those types of attorneys uh, tend to get um, a lot of positions. Energy, oil and gas, not as much because there's too many attorneys doing that. Entertainment, not as much. There's just, there's too much competition and too many people trying to do that. Environmental, not as much. Same thing. There's not enough. There's just too many people trying to do it. ERISA is a big one. ERISA is a very smart practice area to go into because uh, there's just um, not a lot of people doing it, uh, especially just regular uh, ERISA executive compensation or general. Uh, these attorneys do well and get hired all throughout their career, uh, and it can be a very good practice area. Uh, family law uh, is one where there's uh, not a lot of people hiring outside the practice area. Finance in some cases, but not really as much. I've seen finance attorneys with very good backgrounds continue practicing longer into their career uh, without a business, but typically these are people that were trained by the best firms in the country, And but it's very rare. General practice, no. Government, no. Healthcare is one where people get hired outside of their uh, experience level, mainly for healthcare compliance and not so much litigation. So that's one. 
Immigration was a very popular practice area for a while, but unless you have business and immigration, it can be very difficult. And if you're you typically immigration firms are small, there's some big ones like Fragment and some other ones, but that's very difficult. Uh, insurance, I've seen a lot of times people get hired in insurance coverage outside their the experience level, depending on the type of coverage they do. Sometimes regulatory compliance, but most of this other insurance, no. Intellectual property, other than litigation, almost all forms of patent law, people will hire outside of the experience level, all forms. So it does. there's just a huge demand uh, for patent attorneys. Most of them, if they're marketed properly, regardless of their class year, will get interviews. Uh, same thing with patent agents. Uh, that's not really something we cover here, but definitely not litigation and not trademark. Uh, labor and employment, sometimes it, it can work. The only, the biggest exception here would be traditional labor law unions. If law firms, there's not a lot of people to do that. So that's one. Almost all forms of litigation are very difficult to get hired outside of the outside of your practice, outside of your experience level. I talked about construction, that can work. E-discovery can work because those are usually not ones where you have that. Um, sometimes these different medical malpractice, there's a lot of demand for that. So people can get hired outside of their practice area, outside of their experience level. Uh, and again, we're just going through all of these and and you can see here, like municipal law is one, but mainly transactions and land use and real estate, typically no. Tax, typically no. Telecommunications, no. Trust in the state, sometimes, depending on that. So that's it. So there's not a ton of practice areas where you can get hired outside of your experience level. And, and why is that prevalent? Uh, a lot of it has to do with a competition, like the number of people competing for the same jobs. And because there's so many of them, you know, competing for the same jobs, uh, th there's no reason for the law firms to hire outside their experience level. The only reason would be if there's not a lot of people in that practice area. And typically, but that practice area, like I told you, is that there's typically not as many people doing that practice area. The only other experience uh, thing I'd like to bring up real quickly is, again, the smaller the market you're looking at, the larger the potential of the law firm hiring outside of a certain practice area. Have you seen exaggerated levels of experience they seek in job postings potentially leading to the misunderstandings? Or, I'm sorry, have you come across instances where law firms may exaggerate the level of experience they seek in job postings potentially leading to misunderstandings or misrepresentations? Are there any legal aromatications? So that's a good uh, for firms that engage in such practices. So we actually, we were investigated, a BCG of all places, by the Justice Department in some sort of division for writing what the firms were seeking for, like two to six years of experience and that sort of thing. And they were someone to file the complaint uh, against us about that. And after two years, and we won, it's not that we had a lot of attorneys involved or anything. We just told them what was going on. So I don't think there's any legal ramifications Good firms that engage in those practices. There's just a preference for people to move uh, up at a certain level and for younger if law firms want younger people and then mid-levels and so forth. But what I would say, it's very interesting, is there's a lot of people that go to law school and come out of law school at the age of 45 and, and things like that, or 50, and they're still hired as first-year associates. It's just what the discrimination is against the amount of experience you have. So that's typically what the law firms are most concerned about is how much experience you have versus your age and that sort of thing. It's just based on experience.
I honestly didn't think there were going to be a lot of questions about experience level. And we had a lot of people show for this webinar and I was a little nervous about it because I thought the topic wasn't as interesting as I thought, I'm glad there's all these questions. Um, is it a point in which your experience and practice area becomes too specialized for marketability, such as being a patent pharmaceutical attorney that only deals with one type of product or chemical entity or a single statutory cause of action? How do you know when you need to diversify um, without losing the benefit of having a consistent focus? Yeah, so there are some, uh, I again, with the patent law work you're doing, um, I always find it fun because there are people like you, if you're um, a patent pharmaceutical attorney doing one type of product, um, there's always, when we search the BCG database, we can always find one or two firms uh, that even if it's the most remote uh, type of patent law that have done that type of work. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.